This episode of Eye to Eye is brought to you by Janique Locks. If you're looking to get started, there's no better place. She specializes in all kinds. Dreadlocks, micro locks, sister locks, lock extensions, instant locks, interlocking, and more. If you're in the 757, please don't hesitate to contact her. You can find her on Instagram at Janique Locks. That's G-E-N-I-Q-U-E-L-O-C-S, Janique Locks. Or you can find her at her website, JaniqueLocks.com. Janique Locks, where locks are envied. All right, let's go ahead and start this podcast, man. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. And that's all you get from me because it's going to be a real get down to business version of the latest episode of Eye to Eye, short for Inspired to Inspire. The podcast is all about being open, honest, real, having conversations about life and faith. And as always, we are willing to boldly go where no, or most folks, whatever you want to just, yeah, yeah. Well, most folks ain't trying to. I think that's the right way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Although it feels, it feels like a lot of folks are trying. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was about to say, you know, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to strip us of our tagline right now. I know I, uh, they're, they're very willing suddenly to go, <laughs> to go there. Um, yeah. And uh, it's, uh, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't really see it as a problem. Um, but yeah, it's just, I guess it's interesting. Just really, I wouldn't even say weird. I can't call it weird, but no, you can't call it weird. I guess I could call it I guess I could call it unexpected potentially. Let's go with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that'd be a good idea. Let's do that. Let's yeah. do that. I mean, uh, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, again, anyway, my name is uh Jordan and my name is Devin. And uh in spirit at the moment but may miraculously pop up as one justice. Uh we'll we'll we'll, we'll see. She's uh she's making a pasta right now. She yes. um it was, it was unexpected pasta <laughs> being made this evening. So, yeah. ah, nah, it's all good. But we are definitely glad to have you guys rocking with us, um, as always. And on this episode, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And not Shuttlesworth, unfortunately, because we've had some nice basketball conversations and it's been yeah. fun. And, uh, yeah, we're, um, we're, we're, we're back to not having quite as much fun. <laughs> No, no, you don't even get to hear the second conversation because this is more of a breaking news episode. Um, but you'll get the second half uh, pretty soon, maybe, hopefully. I don't know. This is probably going to be a two-parter. Mm-hmm. It might be a three-parter. <laughs> Y'all keep doing what you're doing. It might we'll be see the rest how that of the year out. parter. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It just might be the, the truth be told that just doesn't stop telling. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, yeah, on this episode, I mean we would love to be really strategic and, and methodical on how we approach this, but it's just going to be a face facts for a moment. We are dealing with some issues in our nation that need to be addressed. Uh, there's some things that if you take a look at them can make you really, really happy. There's some things that if you take a look at them, 
uh, would really make you want to purchase a gun. And somewhere in between is the tension that in which we lie. But I got to say that, you know, this is uh this has been <laughs> the realest uh, three weeks in 2020, if nothing else, but probably the realest three weeks in a very long time. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, I'm glad to be with my ace so we can talk about it. So that being said, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk well, about Dev, it. You know, yeah. where you want to start? I would, just, I would say from the jump, uh, you know, uh, I think Jordan and I are both rather, rather tired. <laughs> and uh, uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm angry. Um, you know, I'm, I'm spent. My, my heart hurts. Um, you know, it's a combination of things. So, you know, just disclaimer, if, if I come across as judgy <laughs> or angry <laughs> or hateful, um, know that that's because every day I fall short of the man that we follow in Christ. And I, I will do my best to show the love that I can, but at the same time, you know, sometimes the truth hurts and man, I feel like there's a war on truth right now. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a war on truth right now. I think that's the one thing this all boils down to. There's a there's so much of a bottom line in all of this. And I don't want to just level it at that. I think we definitely need to talk about all the bits and pieces that are there. Uh, but man, uh, you know, it's, it's something that I have personally said as a part of my core values, you know, God, love, truth, and community. And I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I know for sure that I probably don't have everything together. I know I don't have all of the the, the things right. Um, I'm for sure have not learned everything that I need to learn. But then there's also just this understanding that sometimes you just know <laughs> yeah. that things aren't right. Sometimes and, you just know. You just know. <laughs> oh, you just know. I think that that's that that should be our... That's yeah. where I say women. Sometimes you just know. Yeah, should, we, should we start it with the I Can Feel It DMX song? Yeah. Uh, Sometimes nah, you just know. I, I love Earl, but uh, <laughs> nah. no. Let's, let's, not, let's not do that. Okay. Let's not. Uh, he, you call him Earl now. I can't call him DMX. I would no call more. him Earl. All right. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Well, maybe you can. I don't know. Whatever. We don't need to think about that. So, yeah, I mean, if I can put in my two cents on how I feel currently, because everybody asks that question right now. Um, and I appreciate it. Uh, I will level it at this. I actually tried to do my first ever IGTV thing the other night, um, and I had horrible reception. So you don't even get to see or hear like 50% of it. <laughs> it was so, so bad. Um, but I am configuring within myself right now the ability to channel the anger and the hurt and all of the uh, unreasonable thoughts that I have in my mind. Um, and just put them towards the ability to have productive and effective conversations with people. Because what I'm finding is, um, you know, I, the Lord told me a long time ago uh, that I was going to be a voice, maybe even for the voiceless. I never got a full understanding of what that picture looked like. Uh, but as it's being fleshed out right now and as it's being painted, I'm seeing very clearly um, the voice may be just one of reason and of understanding. and. I have gotten a million questions and this is by no means to sit up here and tout anything. Cause to be perfectly honest with you, I don't have time to answer the ones <laughs> I got coming, but yeah. uh, you know, it's uh, it's, it's been really surreal uh, to begin to see people whom I haven't spoken to in, in some cases over decades, uh, a decade, two decades uh, that really just want to understand. Yeah. They want to know what it's like. They want to be able to walk the quote unquote mile. They want to, 
you know, they just want to be able to engage and get full on comprehension of the black experience in the United States of America. And I'm overjoyed by that. Uh, But at the same time, just like every other black person, I can be honest with you, I'm probably a little bit miffed as well um, at the fact that it took people sitting in their houses for the past 10 and a half, 11 weeks, um, having not nothing to do, but not having your normal routine uh, to be able to take a look at a video and finally be struck differently. And then, you know, even after Ahmad, we were having conversations and it was bad and people were apologizing and they might ask how you feel. Um, but then on top of that, it took a George Floyd to try and spurn some people into action. And look, I'm not mad at that specifically. I just, I know that, you know, this is a, we got a long way to go. That's, that's the beginning of the conversation. Um, and in that long way, just, I guess the conversation begins now. And I guess the questions begin now. Yeah. And everything that comes with it. You know, God will prepare us long before <laughs> we know what's coming. Because as we've talked about multiple times, how our relationship began. And, right. And those small beginnings of just meeting in a small group, talking about these same things that we're hashing through today. And it, you know, you were probably prepared, but it certainly helped prepare me and and it's what brought us together to have kind of a joint voice on some of this stuff. And, uh, you know, by no means am I an expert. And I will probably still say things that sound ignorant or foolish. Um, but just know my heart is to always learn and always get better. And, you know, if, if not for seeing some of the goodness that is going on and some of the people that are coming out of the woodwork with changed hearts or changed minds or even just a desire to maybe want to change. It doesn't even mean they are yet, but the desire to just kind of reflect and, and gain a little awareness and maybe start taking steps. That's the only thing that's keeping me in this game right now. I got to tell you, because, uh, you know, as I, you know, you get up in the morning and, and you look through the news and you look through social media and it's, it's hard not to just want to just go back to bed and, uh, (laughs) You know, yeah. it, it makes it really, really difficult. And and what's what's interesting is that as I was reflecting through that, you know, this has been somewhat of a, a calling on on me and, and my heart over the last several years. This, uh, you know, just looking out for the fellow man and, and for minorities and for different communities because we're, we're all God's children and just understanding that and, you know, understanding why Kaepernick was doing what he was doing and, and why you know, different protests were going on and why the NBA was wearing I Can't Breathe t-shirts a couple years back. And ironically, we're in that same thing today. Um, You know, I understand that I still only understand a fraction of this. I only understand a fraction of this. I only carry a fraction of this. And yet I am just exhausted and I'm, I'm heartbroken. And to think that this is the, this is only a fraction of what the black communities had to carry for the entirety of their lives for multiple generations. Uh, it just puts things into perspective. And, you know, when, when you see people not, I, I don't even think they're purposely downplaying the protests or, or trying to, to steer it one way or the other. But boy, it's interesting to hear no, no words, to see no comments when, when people are dying but the moment some property gets broken up or the moment a TV gets taken out of a store, 
Uh, they just need to be heard. And <laughs> it just really gets to me. And we need to start realizing as, as a society and as people, let's, let's prioritize the same way that Christ would. And he would absolutely be prioritizing the lives of, of his children <laughs> who, who are being lost over the possessions that, that are being taken by, by a, you know, few people who are, who they're, they're just, they're taking advantage of what's going on, you know, and there's, there's no excuse for that either. I mean, there's, you can still lay some understanding to it, you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> there yeah. are people who are out of work. And if they're looting grocery stores to feed their family, you know, or clothe their family, like that's one perspective you could put on it. You know, it still doesn't mean stealing is right. I get it. But at the end of the day, you know, I think one of the things that really gets to me is all of a sudden a bunch of people who just dogpiled on Kaepernick are saying, hey, listen, we're okay with peaceful protests, but the looting and rioting has to stop. Don't, don't tell me that. Don't give me that because you were not okay with it. Okay. Because a couple years back, you wanted that man to lose everything and you were happy when he did. And all he did was protest silently and peacefully. And yet the narrative got hijacked. The truth got blurred. And it was something about the military and the flag, which is completely and utterly false and was never even the intention. It had nothing to do with it. And we yeah. talked about that. We talked about how, you know, the, the, a military individual in his life said, you know, man, the first time you protested and you sat down, that's very disrespectful. But if you were to kneel, kneeling, as we've talked about, is the most respectful thing you can do. You kneel before kings. You, you kneel in the most humble appreciation. You kneel before God when you're praying. Like, it is the most humble way you can go about doing something. And here he was peacefully trying to educate the world as to what we're seeing now and what everybody is kind of looking at right now. And the same people who are mad that windows are being broken and buildings are being set on fire to come now and say, you're fine with peaceful protests. No, you're not. You weren't fine with it before. You, you, no. Now you're just claiming to be fine with it. Come on. <laughs> I almost don't know what to make of the double standard that has been produced in American rhetoric. Uh, and that is probably one of the biggest things I wrestle with right now as, as a black Christian man, knowing that uh, folks are, are finally getting on the team, you know, the team of unity. Um, but they have mm -hmm. to wrestle through some of that now because you see it. And, you know, the crazy thing is I've actually had some people ask me that question or the questions like that pertaining to the rioting and things of that nature. And I'm just like, you know, well, first and foremost, uh, you know, I, I put a I put a tweet and, and a Facebook and, a, and an Instagram out earlier this week um, to just to let people know how you need to approach me and how you need to approach everybody else out there. And it was pretty much it's, it's as simple as saying this is a disclaimer. Uh, white family, as you converse with blacks to seek understanding, remember a very important bottom line. You're not just dealing with the anger of a moment. You're confronting the soul of a historic issue unaddressed for centuries in America. And this is your climate of caution. You know what I'm saying? And so when you think of a statement like that, you know, I'm, I make sure that I'm very, very particular with my words. I try not to ramble on when it comes to stuff like this, because uh, I know that my mind is all over the place. It's just, just being 100% honest. When you think of a statement like that, and you think about everything that is dredged up from digging 
through over 400, 450 plus years of slavery, of oppression, of government undermining, of folks just being being cultivated in an environment where they automatically feel that they are superior to another person because of their race. You know, and then not only that, but the people who are inferior in that situation are made to feel inferior, are reminded constantly of their inferiority. And then you put them in environments where the reminder is a complete subset because they're around their own people who now feel inferior. And the only way that they feel superior is by doing things that make other people in their world feel inferior. You know, that's called a a crab pot mentality. Um, When you finally get individuals who want to do something, but they feel like they are so powerless and have zero resource, what do you expect them to do? And what do you expect to happen? And again, I've said this a million times, not on here, but I've said it to a million people. I just feel like I've told everybody this, but I'm going to say it here too. So I'm very, very clear. I am not condoning riots. Right. But at the same time, every time I fight to condemn, I recall and I remember because I'm a part of that psyche. And I don't care what it is. I'm a black man with a master's degree. I'm a black man who is trying to accomplish and achieve things. I want to be a pastor. I want to do a lot of different things in this world to try and make it better. And I can still relate to the anger and the feelings of wanting to have the audacity to pick up a brick, to throw it in somebody's window. I work hard on making sure that I maintain the self-control in Galatians 5.22 and the fruits of the spirit to ensure that I don't do it. But unfortunately, some of our people have not come that far yet. And it was some, in some cases, I'm sorry if it did break somebody's stuff. I really wish, and I can, I'll try and do something to help them, to fix it, to clean it up, to do whatever I can. But ultimately, what you also need to understand is that that person needs time, just like you would need time if somebody did all that to you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I try to tell people... I'm like, look, we we will not, as as a, a white American, I'm not going to ever fully understand a, a minority's experience as to what it's like to live in this country. And, you know, there's plenty of minorities that haven't experienced the same thing that a lot of others have, you know? I mean, they, they admit that. And that's that's not to lump different groups together in generalizations. But, I mean, the fact is, is that is that percentages are overwhelming with the way a lot of communities view things. And so when I when I talk in generalities, it's not a place of ignorance. It's just a place of, that's just how we talk about it. And if we are constantly putting disclaimers out there, uh, that can get kind of boring. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, the fact is, is that if you have been told since the civil rights movement to sit down and be respectful and trust that your authority figures will find the change. And I believe that there was uh, a speech given by Dr. King in 1967 called The Other America. And in that, he talks about how he doesn't condone rioting and he doesn't condone violence either. That he he wants there to be peaceful protests. The fact is, is that if you were to ask Dr. King (laughs) today, if he was still with us, hey, uh, it's been 53 years. Um, that peaceful stuff. <laughs> How's it worked out? Um, because the, his very first point is that there are two Americas 
And he mm-hmm. said this in 1967. There are two Americas. One that is basically the land of milk and honey and where the abundance is, is overflowing and one where it's not. And America is still very much that way. And so to just, to just say that these peaceful protests, and I already pointed out a few minutes ago that you don't accept peaceful protests either. So let's not, let's not pretend that we do. You only prefer them to violent protests. <laughs> um, that here we are 53 years later and we're still dealing with the exact same thing. So what exactly do you, do you think is supposed to happen? Because many of us embrace how this country was built. Well, guess what? It was built on the back of people called rebels. Yeah. It was built on the backs of men who wanted freedom from an oppressive government and they decided to go to war over it. That is not a peaceful uh, resolution whatsoever. Then fast forward, you know, a little less than 100 years later, and they went to war again for an unjust system of slavery. And you would think that we'd be able to figure this thing out without violence. But the problem is, is that the people who grow comfortable, why on earth would they start making changes arbitrarily from a position of comfort? That is not something that would naturally happen. And so when you see a systematic <laughs> continuing of these types of things happening to, to one community in particular, at some point you become desperate, you become angry. And when those two things meet, you, you'd be lucky to be able to, to have a little self-control in that situation too, if you were ever faced with it. And that's, yeah. what, that's what we're dealing with. And just, just have a little bit of perspective when you're looking at it. Again, it's not condoning it. It's not saying it's okay, but good Lord, man, I, I can understand why it might happen. I could understand why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, the crazy thing is I know some business owners and I know people who are family of, of business owners that uh, are in Richmond or at the oceanfront. And the crazy thing is, you know, as I have a conversation with them, I almost sound hypocritical. My heart goes out to them 100% because I don't want anything to happen to their stuff. And in some cases, some things have happened. Um, had somebody DM me today, their their family shop, they, uh, they, they have a pharmacy store up in Richmond. Um, everything got looted. Uh, you know, the windows were smashed in. Um, and as much as my heart hurt for them and I have empathy for that situation, you know, I also had to kind of have a conversation, not even have a conversation with them, but, you know, I had to remind them of something as I was encouraging them because they had posted something that was attacking or not attacking. I'll put it to you this way. It was encouraging division. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was just like, I just had to remind them, yo, I love you. You're better than this post. Um, right. And I, I believe in that. And this actually happened before I got the message from that, which lets me know, A, even though I, I challenged them, they decided not to hate me, praise the Lord, because that's <laughs> very much a part of our culture. Uh, yeah. um, but, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's things like that, that, that get me because I just, I love people. But at the same time, I really want them to understand and I need them to realize that if we are going to advance through this, it is about time that we have the most uncomfortable conversations that they've most likely ever experienced in their entire lives. Yeah. And, you know, without that, I'm pretty sure that the advancement that everybody desires um, is going to be something that is unfortunately just kind of cast off to the side. And I know that the only reason that I have hope and fear for this at the same time is because we've never been in this position before. Right. Our, the, your, our generation, 
even my parents' generation before us, you know, they they fought to make sure that we had freedoms. Like I said, my mom and dad were three years old in 1955 when Emmett Till got killed. Right. And we and we talked about how short of a time ago that really is. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not like this is anything that's new to them. And it's not like it's anything new to me, except for the fact that I'm pretty sure in their era and even up until now in our era, I have not had this many Caucasian brothers and sisters come up to me and begin asking me the questions that they're asking me. Now, the hope is that they're going to internalize these things. Um, but again, um, recognizing that this should not be a one-dimensional justice deal. And by that, I mean, you know, most people are crying out for justice, which is rightfully, rightfully acknowledged right. amongst our people, um, especially for the four officers in Minneapolis. Uh, and I'm perfectly honest with you, and my mindset and my thought process for them is throw them under the jail. That's just <laughs> me being human. Yeah. Uh, however, I also understand uh, that there's a process called restorative justice, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I'll talk about that later. Um, but in that, you know, I want I want the justice to not just be penal. That's one dimensional. That's where they get just desserts. They get tried. They get convicted. Um, and then they serve their time. Right. They serve their penance the way that they need to serve it. But we need three dimensions in this. And the second dimension is where they're not just penalized and people who don't really understand aren't just told, yo, this was wrong. But now we need to explain to them why. And not just in the moment why. It's everything for the past minimum 400 to 450 years, why? You know, education is, is the word that I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm looking for here. Um, because without it, we don't get to this, the, the last phase, that, three, that third dimension. And the third dimension is hopefully a changed mind and a changed heart. Now, if you get through the second phase and you decide that you're still not all on board, there's nothing I can do for you. I, I bless you and I send you off and I don't agree with you and I hope you don't do anything crazy because it's not going to go well for you. Um, but a changed mind and a changed heart, they're going to ensure one main thing. And that's the thing I hope for in all of this is that we then have uh, proact proactivity and not reactivity so that we can ensure that issues like what just happened last week with George Floyd never happen again. Right. And that's really what should ultimately be desired. To your point earlier made about the double standard, you know, that's been something that I think has been one of the most frustrating things to me because in a lot of the posts that I'm seeing um, about people who are struggling to understand what's going on, so many of them are, are layered in these weird double standards. You know, I was watching BBC News earlier today and they were talking to a, a gentleman, uh, Dr. Ab Abdullah Abdullah, who is basically at the forefront of the negotiations with the Taliban in trying to find peace with the Taliban over in Afghanistan. And America's starting to move out and they're saying, well, you're going to lose your leverage, you know, without kind of that, that big stick behind you. And they started walking through some of the numbers. And since that war started, which would have been around 2002, I believe, a uh, hundred, I think it was around 150,000 people have lost their lives. 43,000 of them were civilians. So, you know, basically a third of, wow. of lives lost were innocent lives 
were casualties of war. And yet we would say that, that the fighting over there is the price of freedom and freedom isn't free. And that's just part of the, the cost. But we say that because those lives aren't our own citizens. <laughs> we say that because that's not where we live. We say that because the fighting's not going on over there. And we say right. that because we can justify it in wrapping ourselves in our own flag and the fact that we lost 3,000 people one day. But to understand that saying freedom isn't free and yet be mad when people's freedoms are being limited and they're demanding a cost lacks so much self-awareness <laughs> and, and lacks so much really goodwill in a lot of ways. Because you understand that, that there are injustices going on. And when we're talking about injustice, let's, let's think about this for a second. The two things that came out most recently, and um, I, I'm not sure about the third one because I don't believe that there was any footage in uh, Louisville. Um, when was it? Brianna lost her life, which is a yeah. whole nother level of like, I mean... <laughs> We're talking about, we're not even knocking on people's doors. We're just busting in and we're, and we're murdering them. And we, oh, we got it wrong. Um, that's not even about black and white because it very well could have been a, a white person's house, I suppose. Um, but let's just think about the, the level of chaotic authority that our police forces think is, is acceptable. And basically the, the double standard here and the concern for me is if these things uh, are not on tape... <laughs> then there isn't an outcry. And these things that are on tape, the reason why the only time they're on tape or if on tape and released uh, in, the, in the case of Ahmad, it was two months later, they had the tape and it still didn't get released until it was public. Right. That means that at the top, there's a problem. That means that there's people protecting their own people protecting people. There's a double standard in what justice actually means. So to keep saying, I hope that justice finds its way. I hope that justice is served out and justice is happening. That one I laugh at because I've heard multiple people say, look, the guy got, got you know, uh, he, he got slapped with, with third degree murder. You know, justice is taking man, its course. Don't get me started, man. Yeah. I'm like, how, how do you assume justice is going to play itself out? Because let's look back over the multiple cases of this stuff that's happened. How many of those, those officers are in prison today? Right, exactly. That doesn't assume that justice is properly going to be carried out. It just means that, you know, a, a, a charge got, got laid on somebody. That doesn't mean justice is carried out. Um, you know, we still got uh, that, that crazy guy, George, uh, whatever, what's his last name? <laughs> He's still running around. Um, I mean, get out of here. Like, that doesn't mean justice is going to get played out. And... That means that when, you know, I, I had a conversation with somebody, uh, again, on social media. I should probably just delete every app, but that would also not, not serve its purpose. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, where basically I was, I was trying to explain to them and, and they came across saying that I was being judgmental and, and how can I judge and, and stuff while, while, of course, they're judging looters. Um, <laughs> and I said, listen, the people that I'm choosing to judge are the people in authority positions, the people who are being paid by my tax dollars, the people who are taking oaths to protect and serve the people who are being elected or the, the elected officials who are appointing, uh, DAs and appointing people in these positions of power. Those are the people that need to be held accountable the moment that their leadership fails. And the problem is, and look, 
I've really been gentle on our current president in this podcast. And I do that primarily because, um, you know, I, I, I know a lot of people in the church community, uh, support him for a number of reasons. Uh, some are good, some are bad. Um, and, and for the most part, Jordan doesn't want me to get overly political. <laughs> and so I try to respect that. Well, it's not even about that, but yeah, no, no, I'll, I'll talk about it in a second. Yeah. <laughs> the, but the fact is, is that as Americans, Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal, black, white, whatever it may be, it is our duty when our leadership fails to hold them accountable. That is our duty. We do that through voting. We do that through educating ourselves. We do that through being informed by things like the press. And the bottom line is, is that our current leadership is living by a double standard. And I'm concerned that he is positioning himself as only the president for the people who support him and not the president for the people who don't, which is never Mm. the position that our president should have. And just one example of that on May 1st, he tweets out, the governor of Michigan should give a little and put out the fire. These are very good people, but they are angry. They want their lives back again, safely. See them, talk to them, make a deal. That was regarding the mostly white people who were yeah, protesting, protesting on, on the, the, the streets of you know, their cities and their, their capitals. Um, because they basically wanted to be able to, to, to get things back to normal, to get a haircut, to get their nails done. <laughs> and I know that's making somewhat light of it, but in reality, that's kind of what was going on. They were tired of being inside. Now, let's go 29 days later, and on May 29th, when, when black people are, are protesting police brutality, which is a very different thing than not being able to get your haircut, the president says, these thugs are dishonoring the memory of George Floyd, and I won't let that happen. Just spoke to Governor Tim Walls and told him that the military is with him all the way. Any difficulty, and we will assume control, but when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Guys, those are American citizens he's talking about who are protesting something that's far worse than being indoors for six weeks due to a pandemic. I just, you need to put that into perspective. And I've been telling people, we cannot forget this stuff. You have to remember in November, because the bottom line is, is that if you do not hold your leadership accountable, regardless of how dear you hold your ideology, you are failing as an American citizen. You are failing as a Christian. You are failing as a human, because these are, these are people elected to represent everyone, not just the people voting for them. And if we take a look at a track record that our current president has, the First Amendment clearly states freedom of religion. He attacked that the moment he did the Muslim ban when he, in his first few months of office. Freedom of speech, he attacks that pretty much every day. <laughs> freedom of the press, all he does is attack the press constantly. Yet, meanwhile, there's a tweet that you can find where he praises the Iranian press and that the free press is important over there, but apparently not here. Uh, and the last and thing... Don't, don't forget about One American News, though. Don't oh, yes. About well, and yeah. that's only because I guess Fox is, is now changing some of their opinions. Um, but the last thing is freedom to assemble. And he's certainly attacking that. Our current president has literally and factually attacked the four main parts of the very 
first amendment of our constitution. Let that sink in a little bit and understand that he is not for all the people. He is only for his people. And that is not how a president should be serving, regardless of which side you're on. Safe to say it's a bit of a line in the sand there, Dev. I'm sorry, but when we're constantly hearing winners and losers, because uh, his favorite thing is win, 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 that means there have to be losers. And, yeah. and, and presidents should not be focused on winners and losers. They should be focused on, on winning for everybody. And I mean, even if you just go through his, his Twitter timeline right now in the middle of all this, multiple, multiple tweets that say the word win and promoting a bunch of Republicans in the next and upcoming elections. Everything is about getting people elected. Everything is about win, win, win. And it, it's all just power grabs during this time because I think he realizes he, he's scared because his, his leadership is, it's failing. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, it is. I mean, you know, uh, you're right. I, I try my best not to be, it's not about political because when it comes down to it, Jesus was into politics. You know, he, right. they didn't have presidents back in the day. They had Kings and he is <laughs> the King. Yeah. Um, now what he did not have uh, was that other thing that we have, uh, which is called partisanship. Mm -hmm. um, and even to that extent, they might've had their own version of it, but it was more so religiously related. It wasn't about separation of church and state because there was no real state with them. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I mean, it, it, it there, there was you know, whatever we, we, we don't have time. Um, but this, this is, this is my deal. And this is where I kind of drew my line in the sand as well. Um, um, I will just give you my mindset in this and I'll give you my heart in this. I don't care who's a president of the United States of America. I'm going to pray for them. Um, and I don't care what their stance is and whether or not I agree with it or not. I'm going to pray and I'm going to do my best to be compliant, to be obedient. That is how this works. You, you honor, you honor up, you honor down, you honor all around. That's, 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 that's what, uh, that's what my pastor says. And he is very, very correct in that. Yes. This is, this was a tipping point for me last night and I'm, and I'm fighting it through it right now. Um, peaceful protesters on the streets of Washington, DC, and please don't try and counter. Do not, because they have this on video. Yeah. Uh, nobody swinging a, a, a bat or a stick. Nobody throwing a rock. Everybody's hands up, protesting peacefully. They get tear gas. They get tased. They get moved all out the way. For and and if this is what their definition of of looters and 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 rioters is, then they're severely mistaken. Right. Uh, that 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 that's part one for me. But then part two. Um, and I'm sorry, because somebody is probably going to be out there talking about, you know, this is, and I've heard it all over the place. This is our president. You know, the, the, the people who believe that, that God truly anointed, not just appointed, because I do believe that God appoints all authority, period, the end. Romans 13. But those who believe that he's truly anointed to be president, I have the hugest struggle of a time dealing with individuals that want to argue this case, but they don't want to look at the fact that what he is doing, in some cases, his words sometimes can be spot on. That's fine. But his actions are not Christ-like. And if you were just to say that he was our president, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that at all. 
I'm trying to be very, very clear here. When he takes the opportunity to use his platform to gain popularity in the situation by standing in front of a church and holding a Bible when, hold on, so just so I'm clear again, when it had been confirmed by two individuals of high authority and rank in Washington, D.C., in the churches, that he does not attend one and that he does not attend anything that would even resemble the practice of one. And he wants to hold a Bible and he wants to stand in front of a church because admittedly it was burned, which I definitely, again, do not condone. Come on. Think about that for a second, because the only thing I can say is the last time I saw something like that, it was definitely the definition of opportunism. And fight me and be mad at me about it all you want to. But last time I checked, Jesus himself was not an opportunist, because if he was, he would have never went to the cross in the first place. Yeah. And if he didn't go to the cross, then we would not be free to worship him today. Man, I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying. That's why I'm talking real slow. I, I'm catching myself right now. But here's my bottom line. And if it's a line in the same moment, and y'all decide you don't want to listen to this podcast, and that's fine. To God be glorified either way. But let me be ultimately clear. When you use the cross as a gimmick, we got a problem. And that's what's happening. Period. The end. Yep. And that can be backed up with scripture for those of you that might be wanting to <laughs> come back with that. But Titus 1.16 says, they claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him. Let's look at the actions of this, of this man, because many people, myself included, have said that Jimmy Carter is, you know, arguably one of the worst presidents that we've ever had. I've said that before myself. But Amen. in having the opportunity to study the man and his actions, especially after leaving office, there's no doubt in my mind that he loves God and he loves people. And so when, when I read something in scripture that says so clearly that they claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny him, followed next by, they are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. That's, that's scripture. That's, <laughs> that's the Bible that he's holding up in a, a plea to get his supporters to believe that he's following the book that should be more important to you than your party. This has been something that I've really, really struggled with for the better part of three years while he's, he's been in leadership. And, you know, when it comes to the political games or the ideologies or the parties, you know, as Jordan said, we don't need to address that, but you start leveraging what we believe in is the most dear and highest power that, that we are being called to promote. Don't use it for the promotion of the office. <laughs> no, no. Okay, look, because I'm pretty sure by now people are 
I'm going to be fair and clear on the fact that we're apparently bashing the president. No, I'm not. To be perfectly honest with you, I'm still being very, very objective. If you knew um, how we sometimes really feel. And, and no, just just to, to the point, because I'm sure somebody's going to say it, I didn't agree with everything that Obama did. And to be perfectly honest with you, I was not a huge fan of all the decisions that he made. Mm-hmm. Um, and And some of the decisions that he made clearly were not uh, in biblical nature or in biblical favor. However, um, and and this is just, it, it's going to be whatever. And I, I'm just going to be okay with that. And I I, I guarantee you that <laughs> we here at Eye to Eye will sleep peacefully at night. Mm-hmm. Um, he, there was something in him that still tried to reach across the aisle and tried to unify. Um, and unfortunately, the media which we're probably going to talk about as well before this is all said and done. Um, and some of the spin artists that they're in, because let's just call a spade a spade. Um, if that wasn't the case, then we wouldn't have a Fox News. We wouldn't have an MSNBC. We wouldn't have a CNN. Um, because all of them would most likely be telling the same story. Nobody bears, you just don't take the time to think about that. Um, but the single stories that have been taught by each and every one of those stations produce a different narrative of the same exact subject. Now you can have an opinion and you can have an argument in your opinion and that's fine because that's what we are all entitled to. And then let us discuss and let us converse on things like this. But I watched Fox News and I watched MSNBC and I watched CNN when it came to addressing things for Barack Obama and sometimes, because I'm sick of them now, all of them, uh, when it came to things concerning Trump. And do you know that all of them found their own facts, put it in a polarizingly clear nature that what they were saying was apparently the right thing, and then went ahead and ran their stories. And some of them made either president look like a sheer genius. Some of them made either president look like an absolute buffoon. Some of them made either president look like a fear monger. Who and how do you do you think comes up with this stuff and how, and, and 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 it's created? So just to prove my point and what I'm trying to say though, when you want to talk about Barack Obama and the stuff that he did, please consider all sources. You want to talk about Trump, please consider all sources. Because if not, then what you will have, oh yeah, here we go. Because now I, I think I realized I officially don't care <laughs> oh, here what we you go. will have. Oh, good. Okay. Now <laughs> we're going to start. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, what you will have is a system created where, especially in American nationalism, the person that is in leadership is pretty much as close to God as humanly possible. And if there's one thing that we know about God, which also, by the way, is absolutely wrong, because if you read the Bible, I'm pretty sure you don't agree with everything, is that this person can do no wrong. I'm sorry. I don't understand everything in the Bible concerning my God, but I still love and worship and serve him nonetheless. Mm -hmm. Such is the same type of ideology for these leaders Mm -hmm. that we have in America. And that even folds on the black side, too, because... I can tell you how much those people loved Obama yeah. because I'm one of them. And I loved him. But, you know, in my own honesty, I can admit, I, again, did not agree with everything that he said, didn't agree with everything he did. But it doesn't change the fact that I appreciated the effort that he made. 
especially for my people. Here we go, because now we're here. Now we're back at the protesting. Now we're back at the rallying. Now we're back at the rioting. Yeah. I do not see our president doing anything besides providing lip service and a few tweets to help our people currently. I do see him using the threat of an American military, which has my brothers and sisters in it too, by the way, to try and shut the mouths of those who probably say something that he does not want to hear. You know, he's positioning the military against its citizens, which is a dangerous thing. It's a show of, of power. It's a playing of a hand that he's decided to do. And, you know, it's a, a full disclosure, you know, Jordan mentioned, uh, you know, his appreciation for Obama. Um, I didn't vote for Obama either time and I didn't vote for Hillary. Um, in hindsight, though, because I do believe that history can be telling, you, you do get to see the narratives fade and the facts kind of rise in, in some ways. And in looking back, I, I think there was a number of things that, that Obama did do well to kind of help us to progress as a nation. And I have heard from a, a number of white, let's just say more than fingers <laughs> that I have, uh, white people who say, well, Obama should have done more for the black community. And yet I've heard nothing different from black people other than I'm so grateful what he did for our community. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take the word of the black people in this regard because they would know what he actually did. Meanwhile, think about the task that was at hand for him. He had to do it in a, a way that was strategic to appear that he wasn't only looking out for a portion of this country. He had to do it in a way that had to bridge the gap because if, if I'm not mistaken, if it wasn't the entire time, it was the majority of the time he was president, he did not have the House and the Senate on his side. So he had to do nah. it with compromise. That he didn't is, because people didn't show up to vote. My right. bad, go ahead. Yeah. But that is not true of our current president. Okay, he's had up until the most recent you know, midterms, he's had carte blanche to make changes and undo things and remove things. And, you know, I saw somebody say that, that a lot of what's going on right now is Obama's fault. A lot of the polarizing and a lot of the hate is Obama's fault. I got to tell you, man, I, I, I was following politics a lot during the Bush administration and I slowed down during the Obama administration. And the reason being is because there was a part of me that just kind of thought he was doing an okay job and I didn't really need to like keep crazy tabs on it. And it was, it was a, it was a much more pleasant eight years, to be honest with you, when I didn't have to think about it, when I felt like the government was overall doing at least what they thought was, was good and, and really putting kind of the people first and, and trying to do good things. And I just don't have the same piece about our, our current, you know, leadership. And you know, when, when, we, when we want to blame that on Obama and we want to say that he's the one who has caused a lot of this divide in our nation, I would just like to, again, remind you that, and explicit warning, he didn't call African countries shithole countries. Mm. He didn't call black athletes who were kneeling at, at protests for police violence 
sons of bitches. Um, he didn't call people who are currently protesting thugs and threaten military force. That's our current president. Our current president is doing those things. So to pretend like he is not causing this divide and hasn't been causing this divide since the start would just be ignorant and would just be, be willing to dismiss his words. And unfortunately, a lot of his supporters dismiss his words because I hear them say constantly, if he would just stop tweeting. Well, the tweeting, I think personally, and I may have mentioned this before because I've mentioned it many times, I think it's important because we actually get the true unfiltered feelings of our current administration. That, that's an important thing. You should know who this person is and what he believes at his core. Uh, because uh, again, I'll, I'll use my little rhyme. Remember in November <laughs> what, what he's saying about your fellow Americans who are hurting today. And don't, don't forget that. Don't forget that the divide is, is currently being widened and the fires are being stoked by somebody who has the most power uh, that this, this country will allow. Hey, peoples, it's Marquise from Marquise and the Mobile. And I want you to go to your digital outlet and check out our new single, Mighty to Save. It's our high-energy take on one of our favorite anthems of faith. So go, add it to your workout, rock out, chill out playlist on any streaming service. That's Mighty to Save by Marquise and the Mobile. Well, you know what? I, I think we've we've touched on that enough for now. Uh, let's talk about some stuff that I think matters, maybe even just a little bit more than that at this particular point in time. Um, let's just talk about the life of George Floyd, maybe lives, yeah, uh, of of everybody. But yeah, I um, I don't know. I saw a, a very interesting piece. Um, and I think it's probably best to go ahead and do this just by, because I feel like it's something that we need to do as far as like honoring the life of George Floyd. And it's a bit of a did you know. I um, saw a post, not a post, an article in Christianity Today that actually talked about how George Floyd left a, a gospel legacy uh, back when he was in Houston. Yeah, that's all the same yeah. thing, yeah. Yeah, so it's uh, it's cool. Starts off, it's like the rest of the country knows George Floyd from several minutes of cell phone footage captured during his final hours. But in Houston's third ward, they know Floyd for how he lived for decades, a mentor to a generation of young men and a person of peace, ushering ministries into the area. Uh, before moving to Minneapolis for a job opportunity uh, through a Christian work program, the 46-year-old spent almost his entire life in his historically Black Third War, where he was called Big Floyd and regarded as an OG. Now, if y'all don't know, there's a difference between an OG and an old head. And if you listen to the T.I.'s <laughs> podcast, you learn what that was. Neither here nor there. Um, I want to be an OG. We, sh we should all be OGs. Uh, but a de facto community leader is what he was. And he was also an elder statesman, uh, his ministry partner say. This is, this is what I needed to see in the midst of everything that was happening. It was just, it was awesome uh, to know what type of person we were dealing with here. 
Um, to be perfectly honest with you, I think it's obvious that he was not a perfect man. Um, you know, in this in this moment, he apparently made a mistake. And, you know, that needs to be discussed as well. It does. Um, because I think it feeds into the understanding of the fact that even if justice needed to be served in this case, uh, justice did not include execution, you know. Um, and so I just I loved the fact that somebody actually took the time uh, to discuss this and to actually put an article or put a piece out that people could read. I'll encourage you guys, if you get a chance, uh, definitely take a look at it. It's got a lot of interesting information in it. Um, but I think I just I wanted to get started with that so we can talk about what is really behind the lines, behind the eyes, the crying eyes of of so many different African-Americans in this nation, which is that we are not what we are portrayed as in the national media when it comes to certain things, even in a sense like this where we know uh, that his killing was wrong. We are, we are people. We are human beings. We have hearts. We have souls. We have lives. We have children. We have, um, we have parents. Um, and that was one of the craziest parts of this to me. There's something, there's something that was so supernatural about this moment because everyone talks about how he was crying out for his mom. And what some people may not know is that his mom passed away 15 years ago. Mm. That there's, I mean, I just brings a tear. Damn, damn it, damn, come on, man. Uh, to my eye in, in this moment, just knowing that, I mean, maybe he knew he was on his way to be with her so that they could worship Jesus together. And I mean, obviously that clearly does not make it right. But in that moment, like, it's just so much to think about, yo. Yeah. It's really so much to think about. When I saw but, the same story, it was just, uh, you know, when we when we lose any fellow believer, how it's a bittersweet thing because, you know, we understand that that ultimately their, their home they're, <laughs> you know, they're they're where they should be. Um, they're they're living now without pain, without prejudice, uh, <laughs> without the burdens that he clearly carried here. But at the same time, I mean, when we look at the the lives that he was able to impact while he was here, it makes it it makes it really heartbreaking because this was somebody who I mean, shoot. You know, in a lot of ways, people who make this kind of change, who reform people from leaving gang life and getting away from violent streets and, you know, even people who don't believe in, even atheists would, would shout out that that's a good thing, you know, getting people away from the violence. And so it's, it's a, it's a painful, painful loss for us here. Uh, And, and it's a, it's a gain (laughs) uh, for the kingdom, but uh you know, the, the, there's an urgency here on earth that we have as kingdom people because our days are limited and we, we don't know who is ready to, to seek him and turn their life over. We don't know. We don't know where they're at. We don't know what seed we might plant. We don't know for the, the last bit of water it needed to, to flourish. Um, that's, a, that's a cool tension and yet a, a heavy heavy responsibility we have while we're still here. And so I look at people like him 
and think, well, guess I should be doing more. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does it. I know it speaks to the nature of the understanding of humanity, period. It's not even about being African-American at that particular point in time, you know, right. because everyone here has a call and a purpose. And, you know, God forbid we become so distracted that we we lack the effort that's necessary in order for us to fulfill our task. Um, it is very amazing to see individuals who, you know, really put forth that that effort to to do what it says in Micah six eight, you know, to 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 do justice, to seek mercy, and to walk humbly with with God and man. Like that is really what it's ultimately all about, you know. And um, for what it's worth. That is kind of like the the tail end of what I want folks to understand as we begin to have this conversation as uh, whites who admit their ignorance of this moment begin to have conversations with, with, with black folk. Let it not just be about the black experience. Let it also be about the understanding of us being able to realize, especially believers, because that's what this is all about, what our identity in Christ is. And may we fan into flame the gifts, you know what I'm saying? Like it says in Timothy, that we also desperately need to be fanning into flame right now. Because I can tell you this, riots, like I said, God, for the 80 million time on this episode, we don't condone. Right. Also, you know, in the moment, understanding how they feel, don't condemn, but ultimately also recognize how they are distractions. And I'm not just talking about corporate distractions. I'm talking about distractions for each and every individual who could be focusing their energies on something else. Yes. And ultimately what I mean is the thing that God has called and purposed them to do, because I'm pretty sure it wasn't to pick up a brick and throw it. <laughs> Though yeah. I'm sure, you know, yeah. I mean, you, 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 see my, you, you see what I'm saying. I just, I ultimately feel like um, in this season of, of COVID-19, we've already had the conversation as God has hit the reset button for many people in the United States of America, if you were a believer and you've taken the time to simply get in his presence and just be with him um, and just get in his word and get wiser and get sharper and get more understanding, then you've probably been able to take that time and optimize it and begin to work and, and, and just build on skill sets and things of that nature um, and really keep your focus. I'm afraid that for some folks, this is taking them out to play just being straightforward to the point. I feel like they get so much anger. They get so much fear. They get so much rage. They get so much confusion even. It doesn't have to be something where it's emotionally driven. They just get so confused and they don't really have the answers. And now they're trying to focus on something else. This is ultimately the enemy's way of keeping us distracted. If he can't stop you, he's going to distract you. I don't know. That's just, that's just one of the things that stays in the back of my mind because that's ultimately the enemy's job is to keep us in some way, shape, form, or fashion separated from God. And if he can't ultimately separate us, he's going to do whatever he can to make it hell for us to be able to get closer to him. And so I don't know. Yeah. Just, well, we you know we know that the enemy is a liar and a deceiver, and distractions can deceive. You know because they pull your attention away from what you should be focusing on. And mm-hmm. you know I'm glad you brought up Timothy in general because I've been reading some of Timothy and, you know, when I read through it, it just, it really stresses to me how it's a book for the next generation. 
and it's a book for the the young uh, because it it just talks a lot about that because you know as, as we know Timothy was basically the uh, protege of of Paul in a lot of ways. So the cool thing about that book is when you read through it, it kind of gives you this this insight for how we should be raising up our next generation. And you know, I would encourage people that as you're going through any time of change, uh, a time like this when maybe you're trying to make heads or tails of you know, what to believe or, or what to pursue or what to go ahead and, and grab hold of during a time like this when you might be trying to make some own changes in how you think, maybe read through Timothy because that means you're going to be somewhat, you're going to be somewhat new uh, to some of this stuff. It's going to be somewhat of a, of a fresh look on things. And Timothy does a, a cool job of kind of outlining that. Um, so, you know. Yeah. No, I mean, it really does. Um, and it also says to, you know, do things like fight the good fight. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It does do that too. Uh, you know, I just, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I champion that and I champion it just as much as I speak against. And let's just go back into being troublemakers. Um, I'm still really, really confused. And maybe it's just a, a God honest difference of opinion. Um, but I'm questioning uh, concerning the autopsy of George Floyd, um, the different uh, uh, the different opinions of the different final analysis that came back, um, and how the coroner's office claimed it was as, as, asphyxiation. I mean, not asphyxiation, but a heart attack, as opposed to ex- asphyxiation. And then uh, I think it was more than one. Like I think there was like maybe two. Uh, other autopsies that were performed that that actually said that it was ex- asphyxiation. Yeah. Um, you know, I uh, I was talking to uh, a friend of mine who used to be in the military, and he explained something to me called the Circle of Willis, which was really really interesting. Um, and basically, what it is is I think it's the the setup of the circulatory system around the neck, like the carotid artery and all the other good stuff. Yeah. And he was basically saying that in a moment like that, when somebody's being, um. Uh, asphyxiated or suffocated, whatever, you know, all those cool words we can use, um, that there's a chance and a possibility that when the circle of Willis is being compressed, um, that normally if one side is compressed, then the other side will try and make up for it. And obviously this is to allow blood blood flow uh, to the brain or, you know, to the body. Um, but when both sides are compressed, uh, that uh, <clears throat> it might feel like somebody is actually choking or asphyxiating. And that's why uh, there's a possibility that that is why he said he couldn't breathe, um, even though he was saying he couldn't breathe, which means that in some way, shape, form, or fashion, he could. Yeah. Uh, I heard somebody say then, that, and I said immediately, I thought to myself, so you're telling me that all the people who've contracted COVID who had a hard time breathing and said, I couldn't breathe, they were just, they should have been totally fine because they were actually breathing. That's not how that works. Right. That's right. not how that works, man. And- yeah. Well, ultimately, <laughs> I mean, just to, to kind of finish it up, though, I think what he was saying was the reason why that becomes something is because um, eventually it cuts off the blood flow to the brain, which means that the brain is not getting enough oxygen. Yes. And that's one of the main reasons why that, why that actually happened. So, I mean, honestly, no, I think he was definitely still choking. Yeah. hundred percent. Sure. But, yeah. but there's still a possibility that, you know, the whole circle of Willis thing might've been, um, 
corrupted, maybe just not functioning the way that it needed to. Or maybe that served as, wow. as part of the reason why I just, I'm not understanding where they got the deductive reasoning that it could have been um, a heart attack. I wow. mean, cause they're cause they're saying that that probably happened before he ended up doing that, which still makes no sense either to me. Like if he'd had a heart attack, I mean, grab a bus immediately or something. Right. Um, I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm not a full medical <laughs> expert, but the person I was talking to that was in the military is actually also uh, works in, in the medical field. And so, you know, <laughs> I mean, I try my best to make sure I ask the right people before I make statements like that. Well, um, and I'm not a doctor, nor am I a National Geographic photographer. Uh, <laughs> but, which by the way, was a childhood uh, job I wanted. Um, but regardless. That makes all the sense in the world. I mean, you know, regardless. Let's, let's think about the first thing apex predators go for in the wild. They go for the neck. I was listening to Ron McGill, a zoologist, talking on the radio earlier this week. And he talked about how uh, giraffes are capable of fighting off multiple tigers or multiple lions in, in an attack as so long as they don't get down on the ground and get their neck exposed. The first thing you do when you're an EMT and you arrive on a scene is stabilize what? The neck. The yep. neck. There's, there's a clear <laughs> reason why the neck is such an important thing. So much so that even in the crazy art of, of MMA, they specifically are trained on how to properly lock somebody's you know, head up in, in an arm bar and properly without <laughs> extended injury, basically yeah. attack their neck. This is true. <laughs> and so Wu-Tang had it right. Yeah. Protect your yeah. neck. Rear naked choke. Mm which I once taught my wife and I will never teach her anything else because she only wanted to practice it frequently. Oh, and I was the only person around to practice it on. <laughs> that sounds uh, like a fun afternoon. It didn't go well. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, Jesus. Well, hey, look, something that made us laugh for about three seconds. Praise the Lord. I know. Um, that only took yeah. an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I was just, uh, you know just thinking about this whole thing. And I think finally going back to the understanding of um, having the conversation, um, you know, again, just having all these folks ask, I just, I wanted to give an encouragement uh, to, to my, to my white people out there. Cause I feel like we just got to give the encouragement to the white people. Um, and this is actually because of a, a meeting that I had uh, for, with at work on um, Monday afternoon. Uh, one of my coworkers, whom I love dearly, she's she's crazy, she's ridiculous. Um, I will not name her for now, uh, but um, <laughs> she pretty much admitted that uh, she feels like in having these conversations, she either a needs to apologize on behalf of the entire Caucasian race, um, uh, or b. Um, there was another conversation that I had with uh, a good friend of mine, a, a cool kid from from my old church days that was talking about, you know, how he was asking whether or not he needed to be a, literally ashamed of, of his white skin, which was probably the most interesting question uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that I got um, as far as all of that stuff is concerned. And then, you know, um, there was somebody else who was just really curious as to the understanding of of whether or not they just, you know, needed to 
take all of the, I mean, I guess we're, we're in the, we're in the lane of white guilt now. Um, you know, just take all the white guilt and, and not say a thing. Um, and, and here's the other part. This is the thing that got me. Um, they had a conversation with an African-American individual who, uh, had pretty much informed them. This is my favorite one. Here's, here's the other email that we're going to get, uh, <laughs> that, you know, black people just can't be racist. There's no way that they can be racist. Uh, and, and <laughs> all three, um, I, I found quite laughable for, for a variety of reasons, but I just, yeah. I wanted to speak to those real quick, uh, for anybody who really feels like, and I'm just talking about my Caucasian brothers and sisters right now, uh, glory to God. Thank you for, for tuning in. We love you. But for anybody who really thinks that they need to apologize on behalf of the entire Caucasian race, please do me a favor and just, just miss me with that and miss yourself with that. Just know I've already done so. I got you covered. Yeah, yeah there you go. First of all, Devin did it. Um, yeah. But no, seriously, uh, second of all, this is this is what I need you to understand when you are speaking to the spirit of over 400 years of unchecked uh, mis, you know, misunderstandings on, on, on our history. Um, I'm not looking for anybody to apologize because I understand that you guys didn't do that. Right. That wasn't you. It may have been your ancestors, but it doesn't change the fact that we want you to completely understand it for the sake of sympathy and empathy so that you can educate yourself and prepare yourself to stand with us like we want to stand with you. We want you to stand with us. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's, just, it's one of those things where, um, you know, I, I think that what happens is there's a counter offense that's taken because some black folk, admittedly, I will say this, um, when they come at people, they immediately come with this expectation of their proverbial 40 acres and a mule. You owe me this. I'm entitled to, to this because, you know, and as I understand and I feel their pain at the same time, the last thing that we need is counter oppression. Right. <laughs> I don't think that that's going to solve anything. Um, you know, we need to continue to build bridges and we need to continue to build gaps. And the only way we're going to continue to do that is by having a conversation and the conversation must not be attacking. So, you know, I know it's a, it's a long way around the bush of, of explaining that, but I just want folks to realize that you don't need to apologize for you. We just want you to educate yourselves and we just want you to learn. Yeah. You know, um, because I feel like that's probably the main thing that's going to get us to the next level in these conversations anyway. Yeah. I think the big difference here is that what I have found in speaking with so many different people uh, you know, black, Hispanic, Asian, whatever it may be, as, as I've really opened up my my world and my circle of friends, is that it's it's oftentimes an invitation. It's a welcoming. It's come and understand, you know, what what my culture means. It's, you know, we read a book together um, called, uh, you know, Beyond Colorblind. Beyond Colorblind. Yes. And and the gist of the book, the synopsis is, being blind to color doesn't mean anything. That means nothing at all. That just means that you compartmentalize everybody in the same way. And that's not how you should, should have your relationships go at all. What it means is you should embrace and understand and appreciate the differences that all of us have with our own experiences, our own families, our own friends, our own cultures, our own beliefs, that everybody can, can bring a uniqueness and a beauty to this world if you allow them the time to do so. And mm -hmm. to, 
you know, the old saying of, of white guilt, I will tell you, <laughs> it's, a, it's a real feeling. I'll tell you it's a real feeling because I, I've been there. But what I will tell you is that on the other side of it, I think that feeling is almost like a breakup because you're breaking up with your old way of thinking. And that old way of thinking, you never did it on purpose. You know, you, you, I didn't hold stereotypes or understandings that might have been ignorant. I didn't hold those, those things on purpose. But yeah. you do feel guilty as you learn and as you progress because you realize, man, I was doing myself more harm than good. But all that is is, is breakup guilt because you're breaking up with these old beliefs that you had. But I encourage you, you will get beyond them as you continue to learn and fight the fight and engage with people who are not like you and continue to progress and open your mind to the understanding that, that we are all God's children. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the whole thing, you know, it's a, it's a shame off your deal that needs to be had, not just because people have that guilt. Um, you can make the practical application of Romans chapter eight, verse one, in a lot of situations, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, and the thing about it is, you know, if you're doing something that's wrong, that's different. That's the process of conviction. And you got to be able to manage that yourself and let the spirit speak to you so you can, you know, really know how to handle that. But but in the grand scheme of things, nobody's perfect. And I think that if you're talking to um, an African-American or even a colored person in general that's that's capable of properly processing this whole thing as they have a conversation with you, then they're not going to sit up here and condemn you as they have the conversation. Yeah, the rhetoric might be intense, but I'll tell you this, as I talk to Devin or as I talk to anybody that is not my skin color, that's looking to try to understand how I live and, 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 and operate in my life as a black man, I want them to get the full scope. It has to be three-dimensional. It must be circumspective, comprehensive. I'm not just trying to tell them, you know, one thing for the sake of saying. And so if I give them something that's a little intense, guess what? I need them to feel that intensity. That is what is going to help them to get the picture. Now, maybe I need to learn how to paint certain pictures, you know, for, 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 for my favorite white boy over here, you know, uh, maybe it's, it's explaining it and, and, and using a shoe anecdote or, you know, maybe some type of <laughs> comparing it to lake film. or something or other. That'll help. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, that, that's the kind of, you know, it's just like, I didn't got them. That's what happened. And for 400 years, I didn't got them. <laughs> right. Right. So, it so was me and the kicks app, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, that's that. So, and now he understands and yeah. now he empathizes because he knows that for years I just didn't get the best sneakers. And yeah. now he also knows the reason why I didn't get those sneakers was because of repression. And then when I remember back to the time I didn't get the sneakers, I understand at least a, a fraction of some of that pain. <laughs> uh, no, and, and you, you know, your point is it's, it's so needed because these conversations will not always be easy. They will not always be smooth. They right. will not always be calm. We had plenty of moments in our group uh, talking about different things uh, that to this day, a lot of us still don't agree on everything that was being said, but that's okay because guess what? You also don't agree with everything your current friends say and you don't agree with everything that your pastor says. You don't agree with everything that your family says. That's okay. Part of the relationship is being willing to listen in disagreement and then just move on to more fruitful things after that without holding any ill will. 
Yeah. And I think that's the ultimate point of preparing yourself for those conversations, because I can guarantee you, like I said, I've had so many people just ask me questions. Well, why do you think this is okay? Why, why is this okay? Why is this not okay? Why can't, why people say the N word? Why do you feel you need to? <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, it's just, just, just be ready because I think that's the thing we, we as, as, as Americans and as a nation looking to unify ourselves and especially as Christians in this moment, because that's usually who we're talking to non-believers join in too. let's have fun. Um, but, I think we're not used to to having those awkward conversations anymore. We're not used to being able to communicate in all manners. Um, if it's not good, then we simply don't want to hear it. And that, you know what that is? That's what we call, that's called sugarcoating. Yeah. Um, and I'm sorry, we don't have time to sugarcoat nothing anymore because this, this years ago, centuries ago, became a life and death issue for a certain group of people. And I'm not trying to have any more of my people die. Yeah. Think about that for a second. As a matter of fact, wait, here... And we haven't talked about white privilege at all, um, but you know, I'll, I'll let you speak to that one day. I just, I did want to paint the picture though, and I saw something that was posted. I think it was today um, that made all the sense in the world too. This is so I can get you to understand. So maybe this is one on one before one on one as far as education of of the difference of why this is so impactful in our community, and it may not have been as impactful in your community. Um, and this is this is what it says. It's a tweet that came out. Uh, George Floyd and I were both arrested. I don't know if this is real or not. No, okay. Oh, uh, you know what this is? It's some dude named Mark D. McCoy on, on, on Twitter. So hear this and hear this clear. George Floyd and I were both arrested for allegedly spending a counterfeit $20 bill. For George Floyd, a man my age with two kids, it was a death sentence. For me... It is a story I sometimes tell at parties. That, my friends, is white privilege. Yeah. Yeah. The, the one time I was in the back of a cop car, me and, and three of my friends, all of us white, got uh, a cops came up on us after we were just being silly and running around in a park at like 11 o'clock at night while it was raining. I don't know. You know, you do dumb things when you're a teenager. But they pulled up with lights and, and the whole deal lit us up and, and, you know, he came to the door and he asked me to get out of the car, put me in the back of the police car, didn't even cuff me, okay, did it to the second one. And then the other two had to stand out in the rain, not cuffed with their hands in their pockets. Uh, the worst offense that happened was that they left my doors open in the rain and my car got soaking wet. And they put us back in the car one by one and he shined his flashlight on a Heineken cap that was next to my car and said that there's a party going on a few blocks over and we saw this bottle cap and thought maybe you guys had been drinking. Now, first of all, they couldn't have seen the bottle cap from their car. <laughs> uh, assuming that a party three doors down was going on, yet we were running around in the park showed that we were too much of losers to be at that party. So <laughs> this is a pretty big leap that they took. And yet I think back to that time and I used to use that story as a way to be like, see, I've been in the back of a police car too. You know, it's not just you. But the fact is, is that my experience is wholeheartedly different. And I will admit that there was not one minute of that experience that I ever felt fear. Hmm. Yeah, I definitely can't say the same. Um, thankfully, I was never in the back of a cop car 
Uh, actually, another funny thing was I've been in the back of a cop car once, and it was actually because I asked to because it was part of a scavenger hunt for church. <laughs> oh, boy. Thank you, church, for getting me put in the back wow. of a cop car. The things you will do to win a scavenger hunt. <laughs> I know, right? The things you do for Jesus. Ooh. Nonsense. No, nah, it was it was actually a good time. Well, and it was in the Outer Bank, so I, who knows what that actually even means. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, nah, the... I the first time that I was actually ever racially profiled um, was the craziest thing on the face of the earth for me. I was driving in my car and I was actually at a church retreat and um, I had uh, a good friend that I came up with. Matter of fact, like the only the only white boy I really hung out with back in the day, like back in like really, really, really hung out with. And I was in college at the time. He was about to be in. You no, know, he was in college, too. Um, and then had another friend of ours uh, that actually uh, goes to our church currently. Um, was in the back of the car as well. And he was uh, he was in the National Guard. He was actually in town visiting because he had moved to California. Uh, but we're chaperoning and we're helping out at this church retreat in the middle of Dinwiddie County, Virginia. Dinwiddie County. <laughs> that doesn't sound racist at all. Can't say, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Let, let it be known. So we're driving. We're going to Food Line because we wanted to get some snacks for the night. And we're going down the street. And in the middle of Dinwiddie County, you know, there's like zero street lights. It's, it's about pitch black except for your lights. And that's pretty much all you got. Um, and so I was driving and out of nowhere, this car uh, pulls up behind me and starts flashing its brights. Didn't have its lights on at all before it got behind me. So let that be known. And so I, I, I pull over and we're waiting for the person to get out the car. Uh, the officer gets out the car and then out of nowhere, another cop car pulls up and then two other officers get out of that car. And they come up to my car. They ask me to roll my window down. Obviously, I roll it down. Uh, license and registration. Give my license and registration. Then they tap on my other window. And they ask for them to roll that one down. And that's my white friend at the time. And I don't know if you know, but in Denwood County, sometimes they're not a fan of salt and pepper. Translation, they don't like blacks and whites hanging out. So he rolls down his window. They ask him for his ID. And so he gives them his ID and they go away and then they come back and they start asking more questions. Why are we here? Well, we're here for a church retreat. Um, a whole bunch of other nonsense that they really didn't need to ask. We were there for almost 35, 40 minutes. I can guarantee it. And then randomly they ask for my friend's ID in the back seat because now I guess we're all getting ready to get out the car. And I'm like, well, this is about to happen, ain't it? Here's a saving grace. And this is seriously some Romans 828 stuff. He hands him his ID and they look and they see that he is in the Coast Guard. And I will put it to you this way. Had it not been for the fact that this was late January, early February 2002, right after September the 11th, 2001. Yeah. And they see that he's in the Coast Guard, which means he's a part of our U.S. military. It's which they begin to thank him profusely <laughs> and apologize for the holdup and give him back his ID and give my boy back his ID and then give me back my license and registration. And then they give me my ticket. I am pretty sure we were spending the night in jail that night, at least. God knows what else might have happened. And so, you know, I had a decision to make at that particular moment. You know, I could internalize those thoughts and just say, F the police and ultimately just F America. And, you know, all the little millennial black kids right now are talking about America, you know, it's just the, yeah, that that yeah. that was that was very rich in my mind at that particular point in time. It was in that moment I was also reminded that even if I didn't have peace about the situation, 
I now had awareness. And yeah. it didn't matter where I was. I can be in the city. It happened in the country, but I could be in the city. And you don't know me. At the time, I was in college, working hard on getting a degree at a job. I was doing a lot for my church at the time. You know, and you can even fast forward now. I'm a black man with a master's degree. I will have a doctorate one day. Um, I'm trying to make this world a better place. And if I come across the wrong person at the wrong time, none of that's going to matter. And I can very well not be breathing after whatever encounter we have. And I just pray because I realize that that is the world that we live in currently. And it looks like we now have an opportunity to change that narrative. And again, that is why I'm so hopeful and why I'm also so scared because we can move in the right direction and I'm hoping that we will take those steps or we could very well not. But it's all contingent upon whether or not people are really committed to the process of building these bridges and reconciling. I think part of the reason why both of us might be so tired is because we realize what's at stake too. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, we, we don't want to, we don't want to fumble. We don't want to fumble an opportunity. And, you know, we, we don't want to alienate and we don't want to overly anger or frustrate people to the point where the message is turned off, you know, and, and maybe some of that happens on, on this episode. But the fact is, is that both of us have spent plenty of time in consulting the spirit and feeling what he's put on our hearts to share. And if you want to take it up with anybody, you can take it up with him, I guess. And, you know, to that extent, again, and so I can finish up that little dear white people thing that I did just a few minutes oh, yes, ago. Yes. Honor who you are and your identity in Christ and everything that he's given you. If he's giving you white skin color, take that white skin color, own it, bask in it, and use it to do good. Yeah. You know, don't ever feel like you got to apologize for anything that God has created you to be. And uh, lastly, please know that everybody in their heart in some way, shape, form, or fashion has some sort of classism racism, ethnic hate, and it's perfectly fine as long as you operate in the guise of the spirit of Romans chapter 12, verse two, and daily do whatever you need to do to transform and renew your mind so you can be more Christ-like. Um, because I'd be lying if I said that I didn't have issues, even with white folk, in some cases a little bit to this day, not nearly as much as I used to. You know, or even other things that we don't need to get into right now because I'm trying to keep this in context. Um, <laughs> just, and I apologize if I if I made you uh, backslide at all. Nah, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're 100 good. But you know, just that is really what this this comes down to is, is there's a bottom line in it, and the bottom line for all of us is the following: um, in this deconditioning and reconditioning of America. <laughs> no matter what your skin color is. And this deconditioning and reconditioning of America, I will offer you uh, these six words and these three periods that go in between somewhere. Keep asking, keep learning, keep loving, because that's what it's going to take. And just remember everything that's involved in love. Remember 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's not just about weddings anymore, people. <laughs> <laughs> and it was never really about just weddings in the no. first place. But remember that what everything that love is, is long-suffering. Translation, sometimes love requires a commitment that is going to be annoying and inconveniencing. 
Um, and that's going to go on both sides of this. Like, I'm going to have to take all the time in the world to to dedicate and devote to breaking bread and having conversations with people so that I can give it to them straight and hope that they understand where I'm coming from because it's from a place of love. And likewise, you know what? White folk, and really this is a conversation for everybody, but unfortunately it is polarized in the land of black and white in the United States of America. And it's not the only one, because trust me, 10 years from now, we're probably going to be having the same conversation concerning Hispanics. I can guarantee you that. My money's on it. Um, But for now, (laughs) let's try and get this to as good a place as we can so that we can prepare ourselves for that as well. Because I guarantee you that's all God's been trying to do since the creation of man. He's not surprised by any of this. But I can tell you who will be if they don't take the time to recognize and educate and prepare themselves. You, whoever you are listening to this, myself, Devin, we got to be aware and we got to do what we can to make sure that we are taking care of this. You know, it's, it's hard because we have short memories. You know, we really have short memories. And we forget about these moments sometimes. And, you know, the most powerful thing you can do is just continue to embrace the things that, that are put on your heart. You know, write them down. Make it plain. <laughs> continue <laughs> to make it part of your vision. That's not in context, but okay. <laughs> I, I know. But, you know, if you, re- but if you, if you do really want to make a difference and you want it to be specific, you know, continue to remind yourself. Set a daily reminder on your phone. You know, I'm I'm not the the person who does not procrastinate. <laughs> I certainly procrastinate. I'm the person who commits to people and and sometimes I I don't follow through. But, you know, there are times where I make commitments to people and when I do, I put a reminder on my phone, you know, and I put it right then and there. You know, once a week, just put it down there. Put it down. Lord, change my heart and put down why. You know, just continue to remind yourself what the feelings that you're feeling right now. And that will help you sustain the change because to Jordan's point, <laughs> uh, love uh, is not just about marriage because love is, is patient. And he said, long suffering, both of those two things mean it takes a long time. So you, you will have the opportunity to forget what you're feeling today. So mm-hmm. don't, don't let that happen. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And then if there's anything else I'm saying to end this, cause we're actually, we're nowhere near done but we probably need to wrap it up for now, is the following. And, you know, we, we kind of bottom line pretty much every episode on this, so this is not going to be anything new. Uh, but I just, I beg of everyone to garner a Christocentric perspective, which again, simply just means this, Jesus at the center. Jesus at the center of it all. I've gotten to the point now in my life where I don't get it right all the time, but I'm pretty sure that my life should model and, and in most cases does model uh, no matter how you feel or what you say. And you could be right in some way, but I'm just a little more in love with Jesus and his word than I am with you. And I'm probably going to always side with him, period, the end. Who's on the Lord's side? I think it's pretty basic. Um, but the encouragement is that's all Christ has been asking us to do since day one anyway. The whole WWJD thing that was really, really cool when we were in high school, <laughs> if yeah. you were in the 90s, Yep. Shout out to Justice Swango because I was born in 19 or went to high school in 1973, <laughs> according to her. Um, you know, I, I just, I want people to really be more in love with Jesus than they are with themselves, to be more in love with Jesus than they are with their nation, with maybe even their president in some cases, um, and really more in love with him than they are with 
their need to belong to something other than the body of Christ itself. Amen. Because it is becoming a really, really big problem. I have a lot more to say. I know you have a lot more to say, but I don't have the energy to say it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I know, man. All yeah. that working out and it just, it got you to this point. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> nah, I got you. I got you. Well, <laughs> let all this flow, man. If you're still there and listening, we do thank you. For, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, my prayer is that, you know, love or hate whatever we're saying, you you respect the fact that we've taken the opportunity to at least put it out there and voice your opinion. A lot of you actually have been, so we definitely appreciate it. But let us know what you think or ask us questions about why we think what we think. Yeah, This is what this is about. This is about the community and conversation in the community. So um, my hope is that's exactly what they'll do, bro. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If you love it, share it. If you hate it, share it. And <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Also, you know, also legitimately, if you hate it, ask yourself why. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and if you love it, ask yourself why. Because you should never stop asking why you believe the things that you believe or why you feel the things that you feel, regardless mm-hmm. if it makes you feel good or if it makes you feel bad. Ask yourself why, because that's how, how you get to know yourself and understand maybe what your worldview is and what, it, what it's based upon. So, yeah. And hey, look, even to that extent, challenge us. Yeah. You know, I mean, because if we're, if we're willing to do this, then we obviously have to have a why behind our what. Now, to that extent, though, trust me, I do my best to try and keep my Bible. <laughs> just, just, just saying. Yeah, he's he's just, much more godly about it than I am. I'm more snarky and witty, so you're gonna have to come strong. <laughs> yeah, I know. And don't, don't, don't not fact check. I'm gonna right. tell you right now. This man down a half an hour argument with Tom against somebody <laughs> yeah. who <laughs> tried to go to war with him on stuff. This is amazing. I do, uh, I do fact check. So you know, be careful because I fact check and I'm I might be a little more sharply tongued than you. So you don't want this smoke. Yeah, that's that's the real reason he's on the podcast is that's because, right. you know, I'm I'm I will philosophize you to death, but then he will definitely make sure that you have all your eyes dotted and t's crossed. <laughs> <sighs> I appreciate that because I don't do that all the time. That's but right. you know what, it is what it is. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, no matter how you feel right now, thank you once again for just tuning in to the latest and greatest episode. Please don't forget to like, share, subscribe, pester us with your questions. That's perfectly fine as well. I'm thinking maybe sometime in the near future, maybe we even get a chance to have a round table Ooh, uh, cool. so that we can really share these things. That'd be so cool. Yeah. Um, but until then, let's just uh, continue the conversation. And please, please, please do what you can in your world to redefine the finish line. Uh, but thank you once again for tuning in. We'll catch you the next time. And as always, my name is Jordan. My name is Devin. And we will most certainly... <laughs> get some rest because we we tired and you know what guess what that's still out there too wash your hands yeah (laughs) Yeah, don't forget (laughs) yeah yeah definitely that too but anyway yeah we'll catch you next time bro y'all be safe one love one light peace
is a production of Inspired One Enterprises. Engineering by Devin Chandler. Editing and production, Jordan Brown. Marketing and media, Justice Swango. Thanks again for listening to the latest and greatest episode. Please don't forget to follow us on FB at Inspired One Enterprises. On Insta at I underscore the number two underscore I podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite platform. Leave those five stars and a generous review because you love us and want us to be successful as we do you. Thank you once again for rocking with us. And remember to be inspired to inspire, as that's what the inspired one does. Take care. God bless. Peace.